Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for being here today. As we kick today off, we are in a series called B, and today is titled Beloved Children of God, Be Loved. Beloved Children of God, Be Loved. And to rewind for a moment on the tape, last week we looked at how Jesus went into the wilderness and overcame the temptations, the test that God led him into, that the temptations and the test that the devil was tempting him in three different ways, three different moments, and Jesus responded every time. Jesus, being the word, responded with the word, the Bible. So not only do we want to get the word committed to memory here, we want to store the word in our heart, Scripture teaches us, therefore we would not sin against God. And that's always fundamental to know because anytime we sin, of course it creates a gap with those around us because there is a consequence of just the uh, impact of our sin and how that affects those around us. And especially if sin then at times is uh, associated with a crime, then sometimes there, now there is a guilty sentence that commits someone to, to jail or there's the natural effects of that sin, the consequences of it. So sin brings a lot of carnage, a lot of damage, but yet God provides a way out of every temptation, and that's good for us to know, because anytime we are tempted, God is leading us to escape plan, and the more we can get the word in us, we'll be able to be prepared for the wilderness moments of our life or where the wild things are. That was Luke chapter 4. Jesus being led into the wilderness. And then once he overcomes those temptations, he is ministered by angels and then goes out and is what we now know as the public ministry of God. But today, we rewound last week of what we learned as a people. We're going to rewind even before Jesus went into the wilderness to set the stage for all of his ministry. And we're going to look at who in the world is Jesus? And what does God say about who his son is? So to tee this off, we have the Bible Project giving us a brief on-ramp of Luke's gospel, and we're diving in at chapter 3. Check this clip out. Gospel according to Luke began by telling us about the births of John the Baptist and Jesus of Nazareth. And in the next section of the gospel, Luke zooms forward in time. So John is now a prophet and he's leading a renewal movement down at the Jordan River. And all of these Israelites are coming to be baptized, the poor, the rich, tax collectors, even soldiers. Yeah, what's going on here? So all of these people are dedicating themselves to a new way of life. By getting dunked in a river? So long ago, Israel came to inherit this land by crossing through the Jordan River. And God gave them a responsibility. They were 
called to serve him alone, to love their neighbor and pursue justice together. And we know from stories in the Old Testament that they failed at this repeatedly. Right, so John's calling Israel to start over, to go back through the river and come out rededicated to their God, ready for the new thing that God's about to do. And so it's within this renewal movement that Jesus first appeared. Jesus is baptized by John and the sky opens up and a voice from heaven says, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now, God's words here are packed with echoes from the Hebrew scriptures. This first line is from Psalm 2, where God promised that a king would come who would rule in Jerusalem and confront evil among the nations. And then this next line is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and it refers to the Messiah who would become a servant and suffer and die on Israel's behalf. After this, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days with no food. I mean, that's roughing it. And in this story, Jesus is replaying Israel's 40-year journey through the wilderness where they failed to trust their God and so they rebelled. But Jesus succeeded by resisting temptation and trusting God. And so this story is marking Jesus as the one who's going to carry Israel's story forward. After the wilderness, Jesus comes back to the region of Galilee, to his hometown, Nazareth. He's in the synagogue and he's invited to read from the scriptures. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Why to the poor? Well, in Hebrew culture, being poor wasn't just about money. It was more about low social status. So women and children and the sick, people on the margin. And surprisingly, this could include people who had money, like tax collectors. They were considered outsiders too, and so Jesus is here for them. Then Jesus continues reading. The Lord has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Learning about Jesus never gets old. And we, as a people, are kicking off groups this semester for 2024. And picture it as maybe we're riding a wave. And that wave is going to hit shore at Easter, right around that time. And this wave we're riding is we are first kicking it off with understanding who Jesus is next week, diving in further, how does that apply to me and my identity, and then with a hopeful boldness that the body of Christ would go out and proclaim and witness that he lives. And Easter is going to be thematically about Christ is victorious, victory. And that is the season ahead for us as a people. And to do this work, kind of open up our lives amongst the people and the body of Christ here in groups. We have communion with the Father and then we have community with one another. I know can be scary and can be vulnerable because at times maybe we have uh, let people in and it's hurt us. But I want to encourage us today that every time that God leads us into a people setting, it's something that he is longing to do, not only in you, but also in them, and that together is the way. Together is better. And we pray that this will be legendary in all of our lives as followers of Jesus. Victory will be our anthem. We already flow from victory because we're on the other side of the cross, but as we move into Easter, that is where we're going so you can get a picture of that. So speaking of victory, today for all the football fanatics, it is Super Bowl, and you don't have to be a football fanatic to care about the Super Bowl because people watch for the uh, 
commercials. People watch for the halftime show. People just want to go to the party because there's going to be buffalo chicken dip or vegan buffalo chicken dip. I don't know what your reasons is. But, but Super Bowl, I think, is a, a picture of what is maybe right with competition, but I hope to have us zoom out a little bit further, maybe more wrong of, of what is at play with humanity. Because we will either crown a champion that will be forever in this Hall of Fame, Canton, here's the Super Bowl heroes that are going to Disney, and those that lost in the losing locker room are failures. Now, it's a team sport, so no one's going to win alone, but that get, will get talked about forever and forever and ever, and there's a level of shame that can be associated if you lose this game. You didn't come out victorious. I have a friend that 30 years ago, missed a play that still wrestles with losing that game. Now, God made us competitive people, and how does your competitive spirit manifest? I don't know if that's catchphrase. I don't know if that's Super Bowl. I don't know if that's uh, Yahtzee or whatever game you might want to play, or it might just be uh, you have a game with yourself. But here is what's different about Jesus Christ, is that he already won the victory. Who is he? He's the winner. Who is he? So therefore, what is my position in him? I win. We aren't somebody that is looking to hold the champion trophy. We're people that understand as the king in the kingdom of God has come, we flow from what he has done. Now, the crowds will have a lot of, uh, you know, things to say and the critics of life, but to carry on that illustration, to think of the enemies a lot like that. We'll say, are you ever good enough? Do more work. And it's not just the outside voices or the situations that happen in our life. It's the inner critic. You'll never be good enough. Do you deserve God's love? If everyone else knew all the things that I know about you, would they really love you? So it matters where we get our love from and how we define love and understanding our identity is who is Jesus and who am I? Well, who I am is based upon whose I am. And if we understand that we are children of God, therefore God is the one who gets to write on, in, and for everything we do and who we are as people. We are beloved children of God, beloved. We're going to Luke chapter three. Verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him being Jesus in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven. What was over the grandstands? What was over the loudspeaker? What was the highlight? What was the YouTube short? What what was said? What's the clip that's gonna be forever over Jesus's life? You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. That's what God says about Jesus. So then, therefore, who is Jesus? He's God's beloved son. And God is well pleased with his son. This starts to then shape and inform us because we know that we aren't the people that God could be pleased with if we are trying to earn our salvation or 
to live a life that is worthy of God's love. We fall short 10 out of 10. The whole Old Testament shows the picture of God's people falling short time and time again. There was some seasons of radical obedience, but a lot of endings that left with failure, destruction, disappointment. And have you realized this, like I have realized this, that even if you get a pattern of obedience for a time, it's just a matter of time before you make a mistake. Maybe not externally, but internally. You have a thought, you say something, you do something, you just don't add up. Well, this is good news. You're like, how? We're not good enough. That's the good news. It's that stage for the good news is that the bad news is me and you can't make ourselves right with God. So therefore he sends who? Jesus to be right for us. He starts to then enter the story in such a way that there's this proclamation, this declaration that God has a son in whom he's well pleased with, esteemed, dear, favorite, worthy of love. This message has transformed my life because when I think about your story, my story, or even Jesus' story, I find myself on the spectrum to talk about the achievement. Come on, give me the bio. I want to know the accolades. What did he do? Like, tell me about when Jesus won the championship. Oh, yeah, well, Jesus, he fasted 40 days, and then he overcame the devil. Jesus, he gave sight to the blind. Jesus, he raised the dead. Jesus went about, Jesus rode on a donkey to his own death, and then Jesus went to the cross, and he, Jesus gave forgiveness. But before Jesus ever did one miracle, this is the moment that is setting in motion everything. Because it's identity that sets in motion who you are, why you do what you do is more important than what you do because the outcome won't always produce a result that is favorable. And this is where the disciples even missed it. The disciples are mad. They're like, Jesus, if there's another way that you could uh, get the kingdom, please do it. Don't go die. You're surely going to take over now. We want this today. This is why we put uh, our hope in candidates. We put in God's people throughout all of history did this. We want to judge. We want to be like everyone else around us. We want a king. We want to be like everyone else around us. When what separated them was the presence of God. And what separates us as followers of Jesus is Jesus. It's him. And how is he distinct? And who is he? He is the beloved son that God is well pleased with. And then from that place, it's just the natural byproduct that there's manifestation of the kingdom on the move, the kingdom coming alive. Signs and wonders are taking place. But there's sometimes Jesus goes into another city where he didn't do a sign and wonder. So we could then, if we become hung on every uh, action of a person, a ministry, or even Jesus, it's just to see, whoa, I want to see the signs and the wonders. Well, the devil at times will, will have some Win streaks. He'll have some moments that he, it looks like he's winning. Jesus, he, it looked like he was losing at certain times. But is he worthy of our lives based upon just first who is he before he ever did anything? And that's where I think we all have to wrestle is, it's one thing we can say, can he save us? Yes, absolutely, he can save us. He's proven that to be true after he rose from the dead. But could he just be Lord regardless of the results? that we understand who he is and that he's worthy of our allegiance regardless. And that is good news. So now, what would I do with those type of, uh, or that type of understanding? How would that transform me if I know and believe that Jesus is God's beloved son? 
with whom God is well pleased with. I can't hang on this enough. I can't, uh, I don't know if I have even the, the words of how legendary this is. Because to have approval from not only like earthly parents, but to have approval from God, supreme, an endorsement from God, wow. That's why you see Jesus always going, I'm not going to do anything unless the Father tells me. And as followers of Jesus, when we get a hold of this, to know that when we're in Christ, it changes our position. And if our parents or our employers or our friends aren't clapping for us, aren't cheering for us, or our own thoughts, that we're able to say, wait, who I am is based upon whose I am. So to understand the whole story of creation is key in this moment, being what? That you and me are created in the image of God. Therefore, we, yes, have earthly parents, all of us, but ultimately we bear as a mark, we belong to God. So God gets to shape and inform and instruct who we are. And there is a lot of damage that the world has done to us because titles we either grabbed onto, relationships we put too much trust in, or we had traumatic experience, lowercase t's or capital t's, that cause us to constantly feel inferior, constantly feel not enough, constantly feel the level of shame. But when we're in Christ, everything changes. That's just preacher talk. No. Scripture says that when you're in Christ, you become a new creation, born again, brand new. I remember after I became brand new, got baptized, which baptisms will be right after Easter here at City Life, get baptized, and I had a text from an old friend, and they invited me to the party. Well, I decided to go to the party and just to say hi, try to be a light, and at that party, the chatter, the enemy starts speaking, the crowd, the critics start speaking a little bit, and they're like, oh, Jerome, you're not better than us. And I was like, I didn't say I was. And Jerome, remember when you used to do this, this, this? I'm like, that's no longer who I am, though. You're right, that's what I did. And even then, even what I did, that's not who I am. So I need to now change my understanding and not let you speak things over me because you're trying to drag me into something that, one, I don't want to do, because sin is tempting, but two, it's kind of mockery, like, ah, remember when, remember when? And there's, you know, it's like, because we all long to be accepted. (laughs) I don't care how sweet and how confident you think you are. We all long to be accepted. We all long to be understood. So we all long to belong. But I think real belonging can only come from the author, the originator of each of our lives being God. And so when God sets in motion a belonging structure that is able to be uh, tested by storms, the body of Christ, because it's built on Christ, now we have some, some, some real confidence in who we are. And that no matter what we feel, God has something to say to those feelings. 
So I want to give us two things today in light of who Jesus is and how that impacts when we're in him of who I am and who you are. And it's like, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. You know, we sing it as kids, but then you go uh, to school and why are when we volunteer at the schools, are, is there kids in the hallways really mad because they're bullied and they're, they're being made fun of? And we can say sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lies. Words do hurt. They hurt. So the same way a word from a human would hurt, let's understand the words from God and what that means. So if God says that Jesus is his beloved son, and when we are in Jesus, and the scriptures are filled with this, where it says, dear beloved, me and you. Yes, Jesus loves me. It's not something we sing. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's who I am. That's my, my title may change, but my position in Christ does not change. He does not lose any of his sheep. Number one, I am beloved. You know why I know that most of us don't believe this? Because I look in your eyes and I talk to you. This is hard for me to believe. I read every day that God loves me. Every day, and we'll talk more about this next week, I read Sacred Jerome. That's what my name means. I love you from God. Because when I let him first inform me before anyone else does, it fills a hole that only God can fulfill. There's not enough winning on this planet that can satisfy my soul. It's fun to win. Don't get it wrong. Like I, it's fun to win. It's fun to be on the up and up. but we are God's beloved. So therefore, be loved. What we think about God, A.W. Tozer says it this way, what comes into our mind about God is the most important thing about us. Maybe you could put it this way. What comes into our mind about Jesus? Well, he did miracles. No, no, no. I, I think the mic drop, drop moment is right there in Luke 3. You are my beloved son. Imagine hearing that, you know, because it's, it's a witness to all those around. It's a testimony to the Jewish people. Because he could have said then, okay, so therefore go do. But this is why the scriptures are so key. We can't just go out and do love if we don't understand that we are loved first. To continue with the football uh, examples is the Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, who is a public believer. I, I don't know him like that, but i only seen some sound bites, and he's professing Jesus Christ. And one of the things he said in one of the videos caught my, piqued my interest because I'd seen it from another uh, kind of health and wellness person. But starting the day out, brushing your teeth with your opposite hand, staring in the mirror, saying, I love you, 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 with your offhand. Yeah, I love you. And J.J. McCarthy was talking about meditation, getting his mind right, and, and self-love, and looking in the mirror and saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Man, if you would have caught me in my teenage years hearing something like that, we would have roasted somebody so bad. You, wait, <laughs> you brush your teeth with your opposite hand, are your teeth even clean, and you look in the mirror at your eyes and you say, I love you, I love you, I I love you, but what does the scripture say? Love God, love people as I have loved you, but as you love yourself, love your neighbor. I think sometimes we can fake love 
with other people, but we don't therefore be loved as God's beloved. To look in the mirror, and this has been an exercise I've been trying to do, and it's shocking how, one, I don't even want to look at myself like that. And then two, I don't even know if I'm receiving it deep in my soul. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Because we're left brain, right brain. I've been in different exercises how this plays out. So we all find ourselves either overstructured or, or maybe kind of overcreative, but both are supposed to work together. And constantly, obviously, we're hardwired on a different spectrum, different types of people, the body of Christ. But let's not miss the truth that we have to receive love. It's who Jesus is. It's the statement over his life. And when we're in Christ, you realize we're clothed with him. He's the blood of the lamb. (laughs) So that when God looks down on me and you, he doesn't remember all of our mistakes, all of our shots we missed, all of the times we didn't win the trophy, either today or tomorrow. We're flowing from a place of victory, not so we can worship ourselves and say, yeah, I'm God's, you know. No, no, we're not the object of worship. He's the object of worship, but he reminds us that he loves us. So we, I think we're kind of discounting the cross sometimes. I think we're discounting who Jesus is if we don't first understand that we are the beloved. Therefore, be loved. Look at Ephesians 5, chapter uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as, what? And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. I've listened to some preachers, you know, be really kind of super hardcore. Like, we, it's not about us. It's all about God. And I'm, man, our song shouldn't lead to us. It shouldn't, absolutely. But yet, in the scriptures, it says things like this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved who? Us. And gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I am beloved, therefore be loved. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And here's maybe the challenge. Not if I told you. I'm telling you on behalf of God. I think now you get the opportunity to go home and receive it and look in the mirror for yourself. Like for yourself, come hell or high water that you know that you're loved. And I think the greater the pain or the greater the devastation or trauma in our life, the harder it is to believe that and receive it for ourselves. But when we keep working that out, and it's not gonna be without a wrestle. I think the, the stuff will come out of you. You know, sometimes there's times I think about, oh, when I was six, this hurt, or 13, this happened, and and it's like God's love song is speaking to those feelings, speaking, just reminding me, hey, I'm there. And if we don't understand that we're beloved, I think we could go about our day-to-day, so to be loved and to go out and do love. But imagine if we go out and just do, just to go accomplish stuff. Well, Psalm 127.1 reminds us that unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Very sobering. I reference it all the time because it stops me dead in my tracks to think I could be doing stuff that God isn't blessing. So how we do things is far superior than what we do. So why we do it is far superior. And look at what 1 Corinthians 13, famous passage, one through three, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers doing all these signs and wonders and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith as so to remove the mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. So here at City Life, you know, you could say it's marketing. You could say, man, you know, just trying to uh, brand things, but our brand is tied to biblical truth. And the reason it starts with, I am loved, I belong, and I have purpose, and the first part of it is love, is because of this. We could go out and serve and have purpose. We could be in the community belonging with one another, but love is the thing that keeps it all together. And how we define that, we define love as God and how God displays that love through Jesus and Jesus' sacrificial love by laying down his life and considering others higher than himself and and forgiveness and mercy. And it's it's not easy. Uh, Christianity is not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a beautiful thing to, to die to self and to serve one another. And a perfect example for this, and I don't have time. If I had a whiteboard, I'd draw this down. But when I look to you or I look to any person on this planet to show me God's love first, and that's my expectation, I'm always left disappointed. Because that's unfair to you, and it's super unfair to me too. But we do this subconsciously. Even if someone says they're a Christian, you know, well, this one Christian let me down. Well, I'm not saying Christians should just go around letting everybody down, but Christians are humans. With the, they're imperfect people with, about a perfect God with a perfect message that the difference is, is we admit our flaws and failures. We're The Bible's filled with exposing all of our junk. If you're going to write a story, are you going to talk about all the lowlights in your life? No, because the the Bible is so accurate in showing that depiction that humanity will always be left disappointing one another. And that's not an excuse to kind of just go about bringing destruction or abusing or manipulating or domineering. No, by all means. We need to be held accountable. We need to study and show ourselves approved. We need to prove that time, our, our life out in a time of testing and that all may see and correct one another and be teachable and accountable. But to go back to the whiteboard thing for a moment that helps me, if I look to you or someone to show me God's love first, I'm always going to be left disappointed. But when I do it this way, here's where it always calibrates me to serve no matter what setting I'm in. It's when I go first to see who God is and see his love and his love for me, now I can position all of my relationships in an appropriate manner because that's too heavy of a mantle for anybody to carry to be God. Now, Offline, if you could say, well, hey, give me a practical example of when that fleshes out. Oh, I could give you some practical examples. I'm just, to all honor parties in my life, it's just not fair to any person. And in, in, so how do you create that level of vulnerability is, is just another topic for another day. But I hope today that we would understand that we're beloved children of God. Therefore, be loved. So let's not put anyone in the God seat for a second. And let's get God be in that seat and let God serve us. And then number two, Here's just the second thing that I want to really communicate. If Jesus is who he is, which we believe he is, and then in light of that, I'm on lock now to be free. Therefore, be free. Free to be who? Me. You don't have to be an imposter. You don't have to fit in with somebody else. Tribalism's real. 
conforming to certain settings, the peer pressure, like, remember what you used to do? It's like, yeah. But John 8, 36 says this, so if the son, being Jesus, beloved son, whom God is well pleased with, if he opens the key to your cell and he says, be free, you will be free indeed. <laughs> now this hits different for me, actually being in a jail cell before. And I remember sitting in a jail cell downtown in Lansing, in the basement, no windows. I mean, who wants to make jail cozy by any stretch of the imagination? But I mean, they went out of their way to make it uncozy. I get that, you know. You got no laces in your shoes. You've been detained and you're waiting to, I didn't know if I was gonna be there, uh, how long? And I remember praying, because you do mayday prayers and God gives you constant mulligans. He gives you redos, you know, the replay. I can't tell you, it's, it's, it's actually embarrassing how many times he let me out of situations and I still didn't serve him, because um, his grace is just so amazing, the God of another chances. But I don't wanna like betray those another chances and kind of mock how, I wish that this was the moment when I tell you what happened, that I wish I would have obeyed, it took me about another year later. But I remember being in that cell by myself, because when you're in, your cell, in a cell by yourself, you've let everybody down in your life, especially when you know, like, hey, you're in trouble. And this was just my story by the grace of God. It doesn't always go this way. But I prayed and I said, God, if you see me, I would love to get out. You know, it was just like, because I knew it was awaiting like a trial and a situation that there would just be a chance. And I'm not kidding, within 10 minutes, somebody yelled, said, get your stuff, get a lawyer. And I got out. When I was let out, I wasn't like, I just want to stay here for a minute. I was like, oh, really? I'm out. <laughs> you know? All right, see you. You know what I mean? Peace. As Christians, that's what we do. God set us free, us, oh, baptize, but I want to go back to the cell of sin. I want to go back. No, no, no. Jesus said you're free. So you got no shame. You can actually tell people, hey, what's going on? This is why the power of groups. Every Sunday we say we can't do it because God can do it. Every Sunday we say we're weak. And people will sometimes be like, man, well, I just don't feel like I add up or I'm not enough. I say, hey, newsflash, you never will. That's where the power comes from. If you start thinking you're sweet, you think you can always win the chip, then we got to twist it. He won. It's done. So now we run. Now we can be one. Now we flow. We will have moments and storms in our life, but we have to remember we're free to be ourselves in him. You don't have to carry a level of shame. You did not receive a spirit of adoptions. We have a spirit that can cry, Abba, Father. All right, and I'll end with this because I'm getting a little over on my time. Here's my character. You can stay for 1130. Hopefully I'll have a better pace for that one. Even if we're here today critiquing and thinking, well, we're just overemphasizing love and what about, uh, well, let's use John, the disciple, being as the uh, character study for just a moment that he references himself. It's conclusive by theologians that He's talking about himself five different times in the Gospel of John. As the disciple, look at verse 23 in John 13. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. Now there's a couple theories there. Why is that penned five different times that John is the disciple Jesus loves? 
didn't Jesus love all of the disciples? Yeah. It's probably more accurate to look at not only did he care that Jesus loved all, because it talks about God's love for all many times throughout the book of John, but it's there to, be an, to remind the eyewitnesses for all the people around, like, hey, God loves you, but that his identity is that God loves me. So it's there from an identity standpoint of who he is, that he's loved by God. He got a glimpse and he got a hold of something far superior than winning the Super Bowl, far superior than answering our critics, internal or external, far superior than any of that. He got a hold that he was loved by God. That he was loved by God. That he was loved by God. So I end with these questions, and we'll watch a video in just a moment. Like, who am I living for? Which applause will I bow to? And here's an exercise that hopefully you can do in group, or maybe you can do when you go home, um, is what insecurities or feelings or lies do you face? It could be, well, I'm not loved by my parent because they're never there, or uh, my boss just overlooks me all the time, or I'm held back because of some factor that's outside of your control. Or there's this pattern of sin that the devil just constantly reminds you, like, hey, you're, you're not good enough. Like, what, what is those insecurities and lies that would stop you looking in the mirror and saying, I am loved? Because on our good days, it's easier to receive love. God's love is constant, period. That's where when we get a glimpse of it, that he loves us in our cell, when he loves us when we're in our sin, therefore now we want to obey. We want to follow him. Yes, Lord wherever you say. So the, insecurity, the securities and lies are then now, so we create that list. This is what you just can do. You just can journal with the God that loves you. You create a list and you say, here's all the stuff I'm dealing with. And then you create a better list, which is my security is in God's beloved son in whom he's well pleased with. And what's the truth to that lie? Well, I let this person down. Well, the truth of God that I'm defined by Jesus' finished work. And I can say I'm sorry from that place now. So for every lie, there starts to then become a truth that we can find in Scripture. There becomes a truth that you can ask somebody else. Like, hey, these are lies I've been sensing the devil say. And this is where the body of Christ becomes the body of Christ. We administer one another and we remind each other of what Jesus has done and then who we are in him. This is where the truth of God comes alive. This isn't some Tony Robbins uh, seminar of just a pep talk. This is understanding our position in Christ, just like John did. I'm the disciple whom he loves. John wasn't without sin. But he's not, he's like choosing to describe who he is in Christ, his identity in Christ, his new nature, his new nature. And then there's scripture, uh, there's scripture that reminds us as beloved children, we flee from adult idolatry. There's, uh, we, we can be steadfast and immovable. We have promises that will cleanse us. And from this place of, of new children and in the family of God, we can then overcome all of the schemes from the devil, amen. Here's where we end. 
there's a song that we got to be a part of called Audience of One. The worship team sang a little bit of that today. And this song illustrates a little bit of the battles in my own life and some of the wars that I've went through. And in, in, in that uh, external critics, external mistakes, internal critics, internal mistakes, sometimes we're just so overwhelmed by it all that all these people in our life are leaving us and they're all blaming us, they're shaming us, the devil's using every situation in our life, but yet there's one person who stays constant through it all who is ready to cover ready to correct, ready to convict, not condemn, ready to clothe us in his righteousness and be in God. And Galatians 1.10 puts it this way. When we understand we're beloved children, I think this is how Paul could write this. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? And you could say, oh, well, I don't care about the approval of man. I do. If I do the equation the wrong way, I care every day. When I do something, I want Crystal to tell me, which is my wife, almost 20 years, I want her to tell me, that was amazing. You know, if you get something for the kids, you want them to say, Dad, thank you, did it Did you see what I did? You know, you want to, I see this play out in church. You know, I was outside and we, we carried, okay, cool. Yeah. For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Look at this. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So maybe that would be, which crowd are we trying to please in the Super Bowl? Our audience of one is already pleased with me and you when we put our faith in Jesus. And if you're here today and you've not put your faith in Jesus, oh, he loves you too much to let you live in that cell. But he won't force you to get out of it. He'll open the door and he'll say he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And he lived it. And then he died the death that you and I deserved because of our sin. He paid the payment and took the punishment for all of sin. And by the grace and the gift of God that when we put our faith in him, we can be made brand new. And when we're brand new, we then we realize for, we're living for a different king, a different system, and we're on a different economy, we're on a different approval, we're flowing as one approved. So then all the noises of the world, they block out. Even in the midst of the storms and loss and grief and when we don't know how, we just know who. It's the one who's always there. Cheering. And when it seemed like everybody walked out, if we're looking to please the audience of one, in some remarkable way, it seems that that's the only applause that people will really cheer for in the long run. Not a shallow victory that will only last for a lifetime but one that is for forever. And that's not to minimize any of these earthly crowns in any way, shape, or form. It's just to remind the body of Christ today as beloved children of God, you have an audience of one and he is well pleased with you when your faith is in Jesus. Faith the black, what it feels like. Grab the pad, cut me open, time to bleed life. 
Light a match, bones broken in the cast from my past. If you ask from many hopeless fiend nights, packed Breslin, thought we made it. Be careful who you listen to, Mirage Contagious. Reading my press, get back to basic. Who would take this kid from Mason as the franchise favorite? And from the start, there was one, and in the end, there was one. You always say I'm second to none. I'm not sure why you always stayed around. Considering how many times I let you down, you never let me down. Fifth grade bumping public enemy. My friend took his life. Next, speaking at his funeral. About life is short, capture moments beautiful. Huh, how am I supposed to pass it that? In fact, I need a pastor bad. Time to text a pastor bread. Storms come back to back. You wept and you kept holding. Little buddy, I am with you. Look forward. I learned one week you're strong as I stare in your eyes. Selah, pause. There's only one applause that matters nowadays. It's to please you, God. You've been there in the fire. When the enemy speaks, ought to notice the pattern. The story you wrote it, and I'm the whip, you're heroic. Yeah, you water my trees and parted my seas. Call me Moses out of my league, huh? And you the Mickey to this Rocky here, further on, jockey, call it cocky. I just know that God got me on. Uh. I hear your voice, march strong as an activist. Stand tall, superhero, Black Panther, this Lazarus, when the show's over, saying that's my son. There's something that happens in that video that I pray would happen to each one of us today, where, and if you've ever done any type of event or uh, wished people would attend maybe your wedding or uh, a birthday party, a concert, and you kind of look out and you're like, oh, who's here? I, I wonder if they came or, you know, and maybe you just 
gave up on that because as a kid, you looked out in the crowd and you're like, oh, mom and dad couldn't come. And if you knew more of their story, you, now later in life, you might say, oh, I get it, why? And, you know, we're looking at the wrong crowd first. Those crowds matter. I think God wants to bring wholeness to every relationship in our life, absolutely. But there's only one who is there for every moment who's informing and shaping and transforming our lives. It's front row for the highs, the lows. Who looks down at his creation and says, you're mine. And he recognizes that you and, my, you and me, we can't close that gap. So he loves us enough to give us his son. The one, he says, you are my beloved son. I am well pleased with you, Jesus, before he ever did anything, before he won, destroyed the devil. No, it's because of who he is. So when you're in Jesus, when you're clothed with Jesus, how would Jesus talk about you then? How would God talk about you? Was the Holy Spirit breathing life into you today? I think it would probably be like the title. You are God's beloved children, therefore, be loved. Don't look for love in her. Don't look for love in him. That'd be amazing if we get to taste and see that type of godly love as he longs to breathe in all of our lives. But that love might not be here or last, but there is one love that will always be there, never runs dry, never runs out. And that love is here for me or in you today. Period. And how I want to close in prayer is this. If you were to look in the mirror, in your eyes, with your opposite hand, and be brushing your teeth, and looking into your own eyes, is it easy to receive God's love for yourself and love yourself, or is it difficult? And if it's difficult, it's okay. You can be honest, bring out all those feelings. God cares. He's here. He's closer than the air we breathe. And he wants to speak identity into each one of us. That the lies of the crowds and the mistakes, the shame, the errors we've made, all of that, though it might be real, but it's not ultimate. And he is right there wanting to say, I love you. I gave you Jesus. Receive that love for yourself. So if you're here and you say, I struggle receiving God's love for me. I struggle loving myself. Forget about somebody else for a moment. If that's you, it's me receiving love. I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hand? There's so many of us. It's okay. God sees those hands. We're going to take a couple extra minutes. You got to say uh, thank you to the kids teams out there. And for those that your hand's not up, here's the challenge. Will you help everyone with their hand up to let them know they're loved? I struggle looking in the mirror, believing God's love for me every day, but when I remember that, now I flow from a place of victory. God, you see these hands. You know their feelings. You know their thoughts. You know their insecurities. You know their disappointments. You know their shame. You know where they struggle. You know where they doubt. You know their frustrations. You know all the crowds that have walked out. But God, I pray right now that they would feel your love. They would see the audience of one up close. They would hear heaven say that you love them. 
because you love your son. And when they're in your son, oh, they're made brand new. God, we wanna be people that can be loved. We receive love right here, right now. We don't try to achieve it. We receive it. We give you all the feelings. We give you all the thoughts. We give you all the disappointments. We give you all the insecurities. We give you all the lies. And we thank you that you care about our feelings. We cast our cares upon you. And the Lord is right here, right now. Be loved. Be loved. Be loved. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray to seal the ultimate love. And may we all know who we are because of who Jesus is. Well, sometimes it's okay to end in a spirit of stillness. It's okay to end in gentleness. I had a friend tell me this week, deliverance, you know, sometimes in the body of Christ, we think deliverance is I'm going to pray over somebody and they're going to be like delivered, you know, and there's, hey, that happens. But deliverance, God is gentle. So it, many times would, maybe the uh, illustration could be if someone's delivering you a pizza, you don't want them to take that pizza as they're delivering it to your house and be like, ah, you know, and delivering it and be like, oh, it's pizza. And by the time it gets to your doorstep, you're like, ah. God is gentle to deliver. And if you find yourself wanting to be on this journey together in a group, out in the hallway, you can sign up. Online, you can sign up. We would love to be a part of what God is delivering and minister to one another in a gentle way because we all need God's love. And you saw the room and probably online, three-fourths of us were like, eh, yep, we struggle being loved. We're gonna talk about this week and all the sermon-based groups. And there's other groups that have different content. Get in where you fit in if it fits your schedule. There's an invite, no pressure, we love you. We'll be here next week. We're gonna continue to dive into identity. We're gonna shape and inform, learn what your name means and how that plays out in the day-to-day. -day. We'll see you at 10 a.m. and 11.30. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. We're gonna keep loving this city one life at a time and we're not gonna stop until Jesus comes back and he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives.
loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.